don't treat this like piece of machinery is broken and then you need to go fix it. Think about this as an annual maintenance sort of contract. Before we get into today's episode, I want to offer you a free service and a free gift. Yes, a free gift. You're a loyal best ever listener. You deserve free gifts. And it's from our best ever partner, Secure Pay One, the landlord helper. So are you a landlord or investor who's self-managing? Well, if you're self-managing, is that the best way to scale your business? And are you fulfilled by self-managing or would you rather be doing other stuff with your time? Like, I don't know, scaling your business, scaling your portfolio, making more money, bringing more rentals, rental income coming in because you're acquiring more properties. If you want to scale, if you're not getting fulfilled by self-managing, then here comes a free service. Here comes a free gift. Linda Libatory, you know her, episode 714 I interviewed her about her best ever advice, talked to her about her company, which is the solution to your problem, Secure Pay One, the landlord helper. They handle the phone calls, they handle the rent collections, they handle late payment reminders, they handle the lease violation notices, everything from the text messages, reminders, all the way to collecting the ACH payments. Linda's team will help you scale your business, whether you got 500 units or even a handful of units, go to mylandlordhelper.com forward slash Joe. That's mylandlordhelper.com forward slash Joe. They're going to give you a free 30-minute goal strategy session. They'll give you free setup and the first 30 days free, mylandlordhelper.com forward slash Joe. Again, if you are self-managing and you're not fulfilled by self-managing and you agree that there's a better way to scale your business, scale your investments, then go to mylandlordhelper.com forward slash Joe. Take Linda and her team up on their generous offer of giving you a trial and a strategy session to see if it's right for you. mylandlordhelper.com forward slash Joe. Best ever listeners, welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any fluff with us today. Shane Moncrief, how you doing, my friend? I'm good, Joe. Nice to have you on the show. And Shane is going to take a different approach from a guest that we usually have. He specializes in commercial property tax and currently leads the commercially property tax consulting practice. He's a principal and and he is a practice leader at Property Tax Commercial at Ryan LLC. He's formerly a senior consultant for a commercial real estate company. And he is based in Atlanta, Georgia. He's given tons of presentations to professionals on real estate and the property tax industry. So with that being said, Shane, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your current focus? Yeah, I'll be happy to do that, Joe. My current focus is I lead our national practice, which is about 370 people operating across the country at 29 different markets. We cover property taxes from start to finish in terms of an asset's life cycle. Our clients are owners and users of real estate. So that makes sure I include both. Most of our clients are owners of real estate, from developers to real estate investment trusts, pension funds, and they include clients that have two or three assets and those that have hundreds. On the user side, we also supply services to tenants who are typically triple net tenants 
where they really control the property tax decision and they're ultimately on the hook for the property tax bill itself. That's what we do. And so my focus is just leading and growing our practice, making sure we deliver quality service and low taxes. I tell people all the time, Joe, what we do every day is fight for truth, justice, and lower property tax. <laughs> well, how do you do that? Explain the process, will you? And you might have to use a specific example because that might be too broad of a question. I'll take you through sort of a typical tax appeal. And I would say for property taxes for most owners really even should start, and this is maybe a piece of advice, should start before you even buy the asset. So I have practiced about 28 years in property tax and have handled tax appeals in a lot of different states. But for the first, I would say, first 10 years of my career, we very rarely had purchasers call us to help underwrite taxes on the very front end of a deal. And then call it 15, 16 years ago, property tax took on a much more important role in underwriting. And I'll tell you, I've seen it more in the last three or four years where property taxes actually are killing deals on both development and acquisition. As assessors are more aggressive and property taxes are an ever bigger piece of the operating expense line, it winds up really being important for owners to underwrite those taxes appropriately. So I tell people that process of property tax begins before you own it. Once you own it, then that cycle is generally the same across the country. Some people will they'll use different names and processes. They vary deadlines greatly, but it all begins with an assessment notice. The local assessor sends you a notice of value, and it's at that point an owner has to decide whether that value seems fair to them on sometimes two fronts. One is, does that assessment notice represent market value of the property or less? Because typically in the property tax world, your assessment should be equal to or less than its real market value. Mm-hmm. And then in some states, it's important to actually not understand just what the value of your property is, but also to understand the value of your property in the context of its competitive set. So frequently, you you see this in Texas and in Georgia and some other states where the uniformity of the assessment is actually a big piece of the equation. You might have a property that's worth $10 million, and you get an assessment for $8 million, and your initial reaction is, oh, this looks fine. I don't need to file a tax appeal. But in fact, if the competitive set, your direct competitors, properties that are similar to yours, are all assessed at $6 million, well, then you've got a basis for tax appeal in some states. So once you get the assessment notice, you have to make a decision as to whether that value seems fair and equitable to you based on market and based on comparables. If it doesn't, then that's when the appeal process starts. And it varies widely across the country. Most states start with an administrative appeal and oftentimes even a bit of a negotiation in advance of the formal administrative process. So it's a function of meeting with the local tax assessor, discussing your property, its uniqueness, its rent roll, its financial statements, its value vis-a-vis your competitive set, 
And then convincing him that a change needs to be made, the assessment needs to be lowered, and which then in turn saves you money on your tax bill. Mm-hmm. If you can't come to an agreement through that informal process with the appraiser, the assessor, then it moves on to a more formal process where you make that presentation of your case to an administrative panel in most places. It varies widely, and that's one of the most difficult things about property tax is it's different in all 50 states, different terminology, it's different process. But then even within the states, because property tax is a local business, it varies a fair amount, even from one county or assessor to another. What state or county is most like the wild, wild west? Wow. There's probably a couple of ways to do that. So certainly Texas, the process moves along very quickly. I hate to call it the Wild West, (laughs) but it moves along quickly, and there's a lot of negotiations that occur, and the, the process is over from start to finish, and most of the time inside of about 90 days. But you see a lot of other places, and I'll tell you there are states that your listeners ought to be very wary of, and those are states where California, you New York. You're, you're, well, California, New York, but I'll tell you, <laughs> it's Ohio, uh-huh. it's Pennsylvania, it's places that seem a little more subtle than those, and because your battle may not be with the local tax assessor, it may actually be with the school board. Oh. And this has been pretty common practice in Ohio for a while. Recently, we're seeing it in Pennsylvania, some even in New Jersey, where the local school boards have been given what sort of legally is called standing. They've been given the right to file tax appeals directly against the taxpayer. So your enemy in that battle, so to speak, is not the local tax assessor. It's actually the school board. And we're seeing more and more of this particularly after an acquisition. So picture this. You bought a property. It's in Ohio. They're on a three-year revaluation cycle. You think you're good for another two or three years, and you underwrite your taxes flat or maybe growing a couple of percentage points to deal with the millage rate. You buy that property for $15 million, and the current assessment is 10. You think everything's fine for a couple of years. And then you get this little nasty notice in the mail that the school board has filed an appeal against you to have your property's value raised up to its fair market value of $15 million. Mm-hmm. So you can imagine the local tax assessor simply throws up his hands. He's got no interest in fighting against the school board. <laughs> What's the tax assessor going to say? No, 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 don't raise the value. Well, that's not going to happen. So the school boards frequently win those cases, and that turns out to be a nasty little surprise Mm -hmm. for taxpayers. That's the reason I say, Joe, that property tax consideration for a property starts before you even buy it. Mm -hmm. Because if you don't underwrite it appropriately on the entry, you could get some ugly surprises with reassessments in even your first year or within the early early years of your ownership of that asset. Yeah, I know that Cincinnati, the school system has people who are full-time employees and their primary responsibility is to do what you just described. And clearly, 
their salaries are being paid in some form or fashion from somewhere. And that is actually from the work that they're doing. And they have full-time employees who are focused on getting the taxes increased on property. That's right. Well, That's exactly right. I interrupted you from what you were talking about from the process, and I was just curious, but I do want to talk about the process. So if no agreement, then you go through a formal process, and usually it's to an admin panel, and then what happens? From that point, you and the assessor are each presenting cases in front of that administrative panel, and they'll make a decision. I will tell you across the country the sophistication of that panel, as well-meaning as its members might be, the sophistication of that panel varies greatly from one state to another, from one county or township to another. And not all of them, and very few of them, in fact, are commercial real estate people. Occasionally, you'll get lucky enough to have a residential person participate as part of the panel. But you've made your presentation, then you wait on their decision, and then every state then has a judicial forum in which to contest if you're not happy with the administrative panel's decision. And again, that varies greatly in terms of that process. So for instance, in New Jersey, there is no administrative process. The very first step in your tax appeal is into New Jersey tax court. You take sort of the opposite end of the spectrum in California where you have an administrative level But by and large, you don't see a lot of valuation issues go beyond that because their court-level appeal is only dealing with matters of law, not matters of value. Again, every state's different. It winds up being one of the things that you really have to watch all the pitfalls from one state to the next. The admin panel, you've given that disclaimer very well. So it depends on the county, the area of who that comprises of. But just generally... What incentive do they have to rule in the owner's favor? Because I would think they'd have all the incentive in the world to say, ah, nope, sorry, we want to hike up the property tax and it's good where it's at. That's a good question, but it's probably not necessary to be quite so cynical, although I can see it. It's easy to head in that direction. These panels <laughs> are, in general, supposed to be independent appointed by generally the local county or the local town, and their job is to be somewhat independent. I would tell you, Joe, just like you said, most of them are assessor-leaning, but they take their jobs pretty seriously most of the time. They're trying to get the right thing for the taxpayer and for the town. By the way, not every administrative panel you'll be in front of is actually independent. So there are a few states, Mississippi for me comes to mind, where your presentation is actually to what in Mississippi they call the Board of Supervisors, which is a county commission. So they absolutely are looking at this from a tax and revenue position, not a valuation position. So most of them try to do a pretty good job. We're actually very successful when properties are overvalued, either in terms of just pure market or in terms of uniformity. We're really pretty successful when those situations arise. So the boards are generally trying to do the right thing. They hear our evidence, they hear the evidence of the assessor, and then they're making a decision. You see, like you would expect, you see a lot of split the difference, meet you somewhere in the middle, Mm -hmm. those sort of things. 
but I would tell you we are successful many more times than not when there's a real issue that has to be addressed by the local board. Is the local board compensated? They are. Some states, they're paid like a jury member, so a fairly nominal amount like a juror would be paid for jury duty service. When you do that appeal in front of the local board, how much of it is the numbers and how much of it is the owner can't afford to pay this amount and you'd be hurting him or her? They might go into bankruptcy. That would hurt the area. How much of a story is that angle, if at all? Well, that's a really good question. I would tell you, Joe, I describe it to my clients like this. It's just like a baseball game. And in a baseball game, you've got two people that are calling the game, right? You've got the play-by-play guy, and he's telling you balls and strikes, and he's giving you that view of the game, what the batting averages are. And that's the numbers in this case. It's the rent roll. It's what my rents are, what are my expenses, what's an appropriate cap rate to apply to get a value. That's the play-by-play. But in every case, you get the other side of the broadcast. That's the color commentary. (laughs) And what you describe then is the color commentary. This is going to crater a deal. This is going to be bad for a neighborhood. This is going to force the property into bankruptcy. That color commentary looks like any number of things. But I would tell you it varies property to property. But it's 80 85% 85% numbers, 15 20% color commentary. You already answered the question that I was about to ask. I was about to ask you the percent of which to which. Okay, cool. So once the judicial forum to contest if you're not happy with the admin panel decision, is there anything else after that judicial forum or is that pretty much the end of the line? That's the end of the road, Joe. You see very few property taxes, and frankly, I'm not aware of any real commercial property tax appeals that wind up going beyond the judicial level. Now, you will find them. Now, maybe I should correct myself. Even within the judicial framework, just like a normal court case, you have the local court, call it a circuit court, a superior court. Those titles vary quite a bit. And then you have an appellate court, so very few commercial cases make it to the appellate court, a state supreme court, and then you rarely see a federal case, particularly on the commercial real estate side. Most of the federal cases as it relates to property tax have been sort of interstate commerce type of claims, railroad, those sort of cases that come up. What stage in the process do you see the most success in with your clients? Well, it varies, again, I hate to keep saying it, Joe, but it varies a lot by state, but I would say is a fair amount of success in some states at the administrative level. We find our work in Texas, you see a lot of that that's done on the informal basis because their structure is such that the local assessor, the appraisal district is what they call them, really need to make their way through the tax appeals pretty expeditiously. And I would say it's 20 or 30% resolution there. And then the bulk of it's done at the administrative level. And then a percentage that goes on to court again. And very few, this is worth saying, is even if you file an appeal to the judicial level, very few of those cases actually go to a trial. Most of them are settled outside of the courtroom. 
if it goes all the way to the end with your team, how are you charging? Because I'm wondering if they're going to make money at the end of it. <laughs> yeah. So at every step in the process, it really is a cost-benefit analysis. So most of our property tax appeal work is done on a percentage of savings. It's a performance fee. And that process, it's got obviously an automatic payback through the administrative level because you don't pay a fee unless there's tax savings to go along with it. When you get to the judicial level, you have to be smart because at that point, you're going to need an attorney. You need to select the right attorney and you need to have that attorney being very accountable, accountable to ownership. We work with our owners in that process to make sure that the attorneys are actually focused in the right direction to help sort of control the cost of the attorney as well. And so you've got an attorney. You may or may not have an appraiser, but every point in the process, you're evaluating cost-benefit. Even from the initial filing of the case, there are benchmarks through that process where in conjunction with the owner, we're giving advice to the owner. Okay, we think this is worth taking two more steps in the process. Let's go to mediation. Let's do an arbitration. Let's have a sit down right before we go through the interrogatory, the discovery process. Again, trying to make sure that our clients wind up with a return on their cost, their return on their investment in this process. Based on your area of expertise, what is your best advice ever for real estate investors? Wow. So best advice ever. I would tell you, Joe, it's run your property tax like a program. Take a programmatic approach from investment underwriting, which is so, so important to that annual cycle. Because what I described for you earlier, that's an annual cycle in most states. Now, there are different cycles, two-year, five-year cycles, every state being a little different. But my best advice is don't treat this like a piece of machinery is broken and then you need to go fix it. Think about this as an annual maintenance sort of contract. Because my experience is that the owners who take a very programmatic approach every year, it starts with the analysis on the front. Once it's owned every year, they're going through this process to make sure it's fair. You will consistently see those properties are the ones that pay the lowest tax. Because the worst thing that an owner can do is every year get that assessment notice and then make a decision one year at a time on whether they want to file a tax protest. And last question, then we'll go into the lightning round, is do investors work with you who only have, say, one single family house as an investment property? We don't do any of the single family residential for direct owners. We do have a number of clients. The private equity, as you guys have, Joe, I'm sure you've covered it in previous podcasts, the, the private equity firms got big into single-family homes, and we have several of the largest consolidators of those single-family home portfolios as our clients. But we're not doing tax appeals on individual homes for homeowners. You ready for the best-ever lightning round? <laughs> I guess so, Joe. 
All right, let's do it. First, a quick word from our best ever partners. Are you an investor who self-manages, talks to your residents, collects checks, and handles all the day-to-day tasks? Well, there's a better way, best ever listener, and guess what? That better way is Secure Pay One. Secure Pay One, the landlord helper, will have conversations over the phone with your residents whenever there's an issue, and the residents can pay you directly. So schedule your free trial and 30-minute session today at mylandlordhelper.com forward slash Joe. That's mylandlordhelper.com forward slash Joe. Ready to bring your real estate investing dreams to life? Learn how to get focused, gain momentum, and the proven roadmap to make it happen with the Time for Investing Masterclass. Doors for enrollment are now open. Reserve your spot today with Neva at Neva, N-E-V-A, at timeforinvesting.com. Best ever book you've read? Don't read a lot of books. Tough one. Don't have an answer. Best ever movie you've watched? Oh, wow. The Quiet Man, John Wayne. Anything John Wayne is on my list. Best ever way you like to give back? I give back financially a lot. It's just sort of part of who I am. But a lot of mission trips that I've been a part of in four different foreign countries, I enjoy doing it that way. But we do a lot of stuff in our local office as well food bank, that sort of thing. Really enjoy that. How can the best ever listeners get in touch with you? Easy to find me. Shane.Moncrief at Ryan.com is my email address. Ryan.com is our website. You can find my email address and my bio on that site. It's the perfect way to get a hold of me. Outstanding. Well, Shane, you made taxes fun. And that is usually an oxymoron, but you really did. You made taxes fun talking about how we can lower our taxes in a way that is legal and plays within the rules. You said it first starts before we buy the property. And then once we buy the property, it's an annual thing that we want to take a look at. Does the value seem fair to us based on the market value and also the context of the competitive set? So looking at the comps and what the comps are being assessed at. Then if not, then we try and do a informal negotiation with the local assessor. If that doesn't work in Texas, it probably will. But if that doesn't work and you're in Ohio and a school board's coming after you, then you're going to have to probably go a little bit more and do the more formal process with the admin panel. And then if that doesn't work, do the judicial panel. And again, it varies state by state, municipality to municipality. But that's the high-level overview And I love this conversation. So thanks so much for being on the show. Hope you have a best ever day, Shane, and we'll talk to you soon. Great. Thank you, Joe. Ready to bring your real estate investing dreams to life? Learn how to get focused, gain momentum, and the proven roadmap to make it happen with the Time for Investing Masterclass. Doors for enrollment are now open. Reserve your spot today with Neva at Neva, N-E-V-A, at timeforinvesting.com.